The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player or situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. I feel all invigorated. It was an exciting weekend of divisional playoff football. It's the kind of football that you long for when you're a fantasy analyst and you watch 30 games at a time every week, seemingly, and then all of a sudden you're watching games one at a time. And, boy, what a week to start watching games one at a time. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's what I hear. I've heard that it was fantastic for sure. I don't know. I was knee-deep in college. Right. I did see the fourth quarter of the, the Bills-Chiefs game. So if that was any indication it of was. what it was like, then, you know – I'll be tuning in later on is that, you know, after the Super Bowl when I have a little bit more time. Yep. So, Bob, since you're the one that's watched all these all these glorious games, let me ask you some questions about what we got going on here. Baker Mayfield, after what you saw, is he the Tampa Bay starter in twenty twenty four? Assuming a reasonable enough price tag, yes. I mean, I can't imagine him uh, I've said many times he seems to have, you know, taken his dose of humility well. Uh, I think he's in a good spot. I saw Mike Evans, you know, adding to that today, saying he hopes to be back with the Buccaneers. I think keeping the band to get together would be a wise move on their part, offensively speaking. And uh, and I thought Baker was perfectly fine. He was great in the game yesterday, uh, better than I would have liked him to be, uh, and for my own personal reasons. But uh, I think down the course of the season, we've seen there were games where he was not fantastic, but for the most part, he demonstrated all the things that that probably the Cleveland Browns hoped he would be when they drafted him. I think he demonstrated most of those, those uh, traits this year. Big arm, able to hit guys downfield, able to run the offense effectively, uh, gritty, kind of mean-spirited. Uh, I like all the all the things that I thought I didn't like about Baker when he was a rookie. I kind of love about him now. Yeah, I mean, I think mature Baker is probably yes. the where you get those things, but you get it in a mature package is awesome. And I think that... To me, that tells, you know, to me, that was Pro Bowl level Jeff Garcia. So, yeah. you know, now that now that that's happened, you know, as a as a Cleveland Browns fan, I'm like, I wish they didn't draft him as a Cleveland Browns fan. Now, mm-hmm. you I kind of look at what they have and go it's they just can't win. You, you know? uh, but I think part of the struggles that he had there and moving on from there and, you know, kind of going from the top to the bottom. Uh, is part of what's made him where put him where he's at right now. So yeah, without a doubt, it's part of that process. And it's a, and I would say the same thing would probably be the case. And see if you agree is with Jordan Love. I mean, you know, I I saw one of you know one of my compadres on Twitter say, hey, there was Utah State Jordan Love at the end of the game there. But is that really you know those moments of his Utah State iteration where maybe he's not making the best throw or not making the seeing the field well? Is that who he is in the clutch, you think? Or is that just who he is at this moment of his development playing playoff football? That's who he was at that moment, right? He was being aggressive. You know, maybe it was a pressure-related situation because it was under pressure, right? I mean, clock dwindling, game on the line, uh, all those things. You know, for me, you know, I'm not, you know, looking at this from a Green Bay Packers or a football, you know, an NFL perspective. I'm looking at it from... The pat from the fantasy perspective, everything I saw of Jordan Love this season was almost what I mean. We talked about it multiple times, even heading into the season. Yeah. My belief that the Packers knew what they had in Jordan Love when they let Aaron Rodgers move on. Now, Aaron Rodgers might have 
had to move on and this was going to happen no matter what. The Packers didn't put up much of a fight. I think we now know why. They had the next guy. They were confident in it. They drafted him to be that guy. He sat around for three years learning to be that guy from the other guy. All these things to his benefit. And then that conversation uh, Brian Gutenkunst had with the media in June really put it, locked it in stone for me where they were going. Like, this is the the same moments that, you know, and like I do this in my football journey, so to speak, you know, as I'm doing my assessments of situations, I think some of these intangible issues matter. I thought it mattered in Jameer Gibbs when I saw Scotty Montgomery talking to Jameer Gibbs pre-draft and just the enthusiasm and the excitement and the way they hit it right off. I thought I saw it further with Jameer Gibbs, the, the excitement in the draft room when they landed him, when they took a little bit of a chance and waited a little bit. And all that kind of shaded my my view of, of Jameer Gibbs going into the season. So when Guggenkunst said in June that Jordan Love, he, the, 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 the lamentation was, hell, you didn't bring in a big name wide receiver in free agency. Ha, that's going to hurt you. So no, we have a good young group of talented receivers. We want them to grow with our young, talented quarterback was the, was the point. I think they're right where they want to be ahead of schedule, I'm going to guess, from where they thought they might be. And uh, and I think Jordan Love is ahead of schedule where I thought he would be. Um, is he going to have bad moments? Yeah, he's a first-year starter. Uh, this is a pressure-packed situation. He'll learn from it and grow from it. He's going to be a hot fantasy commodity for me next year because I don't think he'll rise up into that higher-end ranks of quarterbacks. Uh, and I'm going to be looking for values. He's going to be one. Yeah, growth comes with, you know, part of what comes with growth is growing pains. And this yes. is just a growing pain. You know, that's all I would say this was, especially when you look at the scope of everything that you explained with this game. And you could see the the, the key for me was first few weeks. The first few weeks of the season, the way his footwork was, the way he made decisions, the 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 quickness, accuracy, and confidence that he had in the basic skills that he sometimes lacked as right. a Utah State quarterback, that told me that he had basically time well spent with his development and yeah. that and that was enough to be okay I can change my mind on on where I think Jordan Love is going to be now because before it would have been well he's he's uber talented physically but we've got to see proof of concept that he's going to develop. <laughs> right. right. Oh, and I think we saw it in season, in real time. We watched yeah. that where that first run of games where he was super effective as a fantasy quarterback because he was throwing touchdowns, but he was hitting like 55% of his passes. Yeah. That improved over the course of the season, and it needed to. And then down the stretch in the month of December, he was as hot as any quarterback in the NFL. It's top five production easily. I want to put the numbers up of I think it was I'm well inside the top five. So anyway, comparable numbers to what Lamar Jackson in terms of passing numbers was putting up over that same span. So so yeah, there's a, there's a lot to like of, about him, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say one clutch play is. Uh, I, but the good news is uh, the same guys who drafted Gabe Davis based on one really good game two years ago are maybe gonna dial back even further on Jordan Love because of one bad play to end a game. We remember the last thing we saw. It's always true. Yeah, so let's continue this theme of quarterbacks and skip along to Brock Birdie. Was he exposed, you know, as just a game manager? Or like many young quarterbacks, is the, are we really looking at this in the same way with Jordan Love, that the playoffs is another <clears throat> animal? He was exposed. Brock Birdie was exposed for a 262nd 260 pick in a draft who has far exceeded expectations, playing at a scheme that maximizes his value. He understands maximizes his value, surrounds him with a superior cast. 
a supporting cast and uh, a good defense. And he's done everything he should have done in this role. Whatever mistakes he's making, he's a second-year quarterback. Nobody thought anything of coming into clearly. Zero people. 32 teams passed on him six times. 31 of them passed seven times um, in a draft. And, I mean, and, and look, that process isn't perfect, says 199th pick Tom Brady, right? Six-round Tom Brady would tell you the same. So uh, Brock Purdy was exposed as nothing other than what he is, a really good quarterback, uh, capable of handling the scheme and trusted by his coach to get the job done. There's going to be bad moments. Uh, he's another player I'll be looking for. I hope people dial back on him in fantasy drafts this year. I know the early fantasy pros uh, ECR expert consensus ranking has him outside the top 12. I think that's a mistake. Yeah, totally agree. All right, so speaking of... So fuck all that. Yeah, speaking of mistakes, of people wrote off Aaron Jones too early, you think, for the playoffs here. Aaron Jones or Derrick Henry next year? Both maybe next year? Maybe Either so. next year. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm leaning towards both because I think it'll be the right price. Look, again, the last thing we remember is Aaron Jones running rampant. We should remember when we're remembering that, that he missed a good portion of the season. He had fresher legs than pretty much everyone he was playing with and yeah. against. Uh, so, and it stood out. We saw it down the last five games of the season. He looked phenomenal, or last month of the season anyway, when he returned from the injury. Derrick Henry... I thought was used in a moderate fashion, maybe more moderate than I would have liked and probably he would have liked. Uh, and maybe, uh, in hindsight, the Titans would have liked. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, I think I'm in on both of them. Uh, A.J. Dillon's going to be moving on as a free agent, I'm guessing, in Green Bay. If Aaron Jones sticks around for another year, I'll be I'll be looking to cash in on whatever value he is if he's going. And, and I'm guessing he will be a pretty good value because people tend to pay more attention to age than they do uh, most things now there people will remember that strong last run and maybe that'll cost me in some leagues but i think for the most part people will think he's like maybe a little older and maybe maybe moves they make will will further you know highlight or emphasize what i feel about him derrick henry i'm feeling him i think he's got another year left i hope he lands in baltimore uh where they would use him in yeah. a to, to good effect i think alongside lamar jackson you know i, I think people People would mention Dallas as well. Tony Pollard likely moving on. Or maybe Tony Pollard, maybe all running backs, by the way, are going to realize what the market is and have a more realistic outlook to their future. Um, <clears throat> but for me, I think Derrick Henry, I'll be keeping a close eye on for sure because I think his price yeah. will drop significantly. Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs in Baltimore would just be massive. Yes. Massive. Yes. I want either one of those right there. All right, so Juan Jennings. Juwan Jennings, is he a fantasy football commodity via free agency in 2024? Or is this just more of a product of he knows the system well, he's a try-hard guy? I think it's that. I I, I feel that right now. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, he might be someone I'm looking to play next week if Debo Samuel's not playing, right, in, in tournaments and whatnot. Um, I think he's a good guy. I think he's a, a good player in the right spot. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe a, a Brock Purdy down and do notch or two right but but look we haven't we don't i don't know that i've seen enough of him to make a really fair judgment uh what i have seen has been really good and i attribute it to the system or the scheme and the supporting cast maybe more than i should to him so maybe that's something i need to look into further yeah at tennessee he was fascinating i really liked him at tennessee but you had to know that he was one slow a little bit underweight compared to how physically played. You like guy, you know what? As an evaluator, it's fun to watch guys and you go, 
that guy, the way he plays, he looks like he's 220, 225. Right. And then you find out like he's barely 200 dripping wet. And you're just like, wow, that's a that's quite a game. But how's that going to hold up in the NFL? So that's right. still uh, the big like, question with him. Like Chris Conley looked good for brief moments in this game this week. week. So, you know, I mean, I think there's, yeah. you know, there's more to it than just that. Yeah, Bo Melton, you know, Jim Nagy, the, the senior bowl guy Damn is it. really – playing him up on social media, the connection that he has with Bo Melton and the conversations that they have. Do you think Jim Nagy's going to be doing more victory laps on, on X with, <clears throat> with Bo Melton? Or do you think that Bo Melton is just a, a Jawan Jennings of the Packers? Feel that. <laughs> right. I feel that maybe a little bit more like, you know, in drafts, do I hope maybe a strong finish drives him ahead of some of the other pieces that I'm maybe more interested in Dontavian Wicks. I'm looking at you young man. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a big deal. And as we head into, or I head into best ball season, which, well, my mock draft Mondays, by the way, we're recording this on Monday. If you're listening to Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio tonight, later Monday night, you will be hearing our first mock draft Monday of the season. So, um, it starts people. And I think that's the Green Bay wide receiving core is the thing that needs to be sorted out. My usual approach is going to be the, you know, I feel drafting the cheapest piece on a regular basis. Um, and, and we're going to have to see how that plays out. I think people are going to view these all these guys wildly differently. We're not going to see Christian Watson going where he went last year as we made that speculative play. Maybe this is the year he should go there, right? <laughs> like, you know, he had some bad injury luck. I mean, I still think he's that guy that's a unique difference maker in terms of speed and athleticism, but availability has obviously been a problem for him. Jaden Reed looks like a potential difference maker. Uh, you know, with his, you know, that, you know, with our buddy Mike Florio at NFL Network, uh, Debo, Wisconsin Debo vibe yep. you got yep. is a thing. And Romeo Dubs, depending on what the coverage is in, if it's uh, like the zones or whatever, he seems to be pretty adept at finding open spots. So there's, and I like Wicks as well. So there's a lot of pieces in this receiving core and how this one plays out is going to be really something I watch because I'm all in on love. I think both tight ends might have a role. This might be a thing where, you know, they all minimize each other's value, and hopefully they, they do that to their prices as well. And we'll get, especially in best ball, I think it's a less of a less of a thing in best ball. You can take a little more chances. In redraft, it's really going to be a tough thing when we hit next August. Yeah, it's going to be a frustrating offense to to, to suss out and a, a content-rich offense to be able to talk about um, from that perspective. I think for a lot of people it will be frustrating, but we'll see. There may be some... This to me seems like this is a situation where some clear candidates are going to emerge, um, in, at least at wide receiver. And I think that at tight end, it might be a little, I agree, it might be a little um, murky for sure. All right. So, Devin Singletary, speaking of murky, is, you know, or maybe it's not so murky in, in Houston. You know, Damian Pierce had a nice rookie year and then just, he did. you know, injuries and in play kind of faded out. And now it's Devin Singletary. Is he starting for the Texans in 2024? Are you feeling that? Uh, no, I'm not feeling that. The, yeah. the Texans have a long history. Uh, you know, unless you're Arian Fosters, you get that one shot and then you go away, says Dominic Williams or Slayton or any, you know, there's David a, Johnson. There's a, David Johnson. There's a series <laughs> of guys that's just like, okay, thank you for your service, sir. We'll be moving on now. So ideally, uh, the loser of the Baltimore Ravens sweepstakes, uh, whether it's Josh Jacobs or Derrick Henry, ends up in Houston. In that offense, honestly, if I was just sitting here being objective about it and assuming Bobby Slowick stays, who is the next best thing? Who what what would be the the closest thing to Christian McCaffrey in this year's free agent class? It would be Saquon Barkley. 
Um, uh-huh. I don't think he's going anywhere, nor do I think anyone's paying for him. Uh, but I could see Josh Jacobs, if he didn't hit Baltimore, being a good fit for this offense as well. I think they'll find that level of player, though. I think uh, that seems to be the piece that that would really complete this offense, especially if Slowick sticks around. Yeah, good points on that one. So Rashad Bateman, where Who? are you on? Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. He was Rashad Bateman. What do you think about Rashad Bateman? Where do you? I think I, I feel him as a super value play, right? I mean, there's going to be a role in this offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson can throw the football. I know this seems like a controversial comment to some, but it's not. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, Mark Andrews is going to be there. I, the thing is, the the two best receivers, uh, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, probably can't be on the field at the same time because neither of them block. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that might be a limiting factor for them. So, I mean, at some point, you know, maybe they give up on Rashad Bateman. I don't know. They, they invested a first-round pick in him. Uh, availability has been an issue. Uh, hasn't been the playmaker that it, I think anyone expected, but he's flashed it. Yeah. Uh, so if he's dirt cheap, I'll probably have some best ball shares of that guy. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the appropriate play at this point. So the Bucks, do they have a replacement for Chris Godwin on the roster? Feels like they have a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like Trey Palmer's a speedster, but he has decent size. And David Moore, a journeyman, but kind of profiles like that. Rakeem Jarrett kind of profiles, you know, size-wise to that. Uh, you probably know better about the skill sets for those guys because, hell, we don't see much of them on the field on Sundays. I mean, we've seen some of them make plays. David Moore, we have more more, more of a view of, but I, I think I think they could probably cobble something together. All that said, I hope they don't. Yeah, I think combined, those guys could fulfill the role with good scheming, but at the same time, it's hard to replace one guy who has that many right. types of skill sets. And so, you know, Godwin, if he's not falling apart, which is the big question about him as he's getting older. He's such a complete skill set guy. You know, it's like looking at Rob Gronkowski back in the day where you go, you know, yeah, you could find three tight ends who could do the job of, uh, of what he does, but it's so much more valuable when you have <clears> one guy who can do all three jobs. And I think Godwin's that player as an outside receiver and inside. He could play split all three positions and play it at a Pro Bowl level. And I think that that's the thing that's missed out with him. And so it's going to be a little bit difficult on that end. But at wide receiver, you can piecemeal parts and still be competitive. Look at the Houston Texans. I would I would argue that they've been able to do that even with or without Nico Collins and Tank Dell. So, all right. Kashil, Kashil Shakir. There we go. Khalil Shakir. That um, guy. Yeah, that guy. Is he starting next year? Feel that. Yeah. I mean, uh, he should be. I mean, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see who the coaching staff is. No, there's not going to be a firing there. Um, maybe they shift, you know, Joe Brady uh, is drawing some head coaching interviews, which I find interesting. Um, it's just, you know, where's my Steichen? Every owner, <laughs> where's my Steichen? I want one of those. Uh, so they will be searching. I think he'll stay. Or, you know, we'll, we'll see if he stays. But, but I do think uh, that, to me, Khalil Shakir looks like a – like a more consistently valuable piece of an offense than Gabe Davis at yeah. the moment than Stephon Diggs. We'll see. There, there's got to be more to that story. You might know it, but I, there's, there's more to that story. There's, I I was expecting the blow up after the game and it never came. Yeah. So maybe it'll be a delayed, the fuse is delayed. But beyond that, I think Khalil Sh- Shakir has proven playmaking ability and the ability to get open consistently. Uh, which I don't know if the other guys are doing. Uh, it seems to have more, like, I don't know, maybe maybe they don't use Gabe Davis properly, um, but it seems like he's a fewer-trick pony 
than Khalil Shakir. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I'm going to say Gabe Davis is playing somewhere else next year. I think he is playing somewhere else next year for sure. He's the type of player that the Atlanta Falcons would have taken. Like he's their peerless price again, you know, part two, the, you know, back in the day. But I don't think Atlanta's going to go after him. I hope not. But uh, yeah, they didn't go after uh, good players this year. Why would they lie next year? Yeah, right. So there we go. Well, I mean, in the draft, they do. I'm yeah, they do. They have. They have. And they have a team that has some moments. They just need a quarterback. It'd be great with Lamar Jackson there, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It really would have been. Might be okay with Justin Fields. We'll see might if be. he goes. All right. Lions, 49ers. Who are you feeling? So the teams I picked to go all the way to the Super Bowl are all playing this week. Uh, the 49ers are one of the teams I picked for the Super Bowl. I have them beating the Lions. If this was in Detroit, I'd be more worried. I'm worried enough as is. Detroit looks pretty legit. We'll see if some of the injuries of Frank Ragnow look pretty beat up by the end of that game. I think he'll be a key component. I, there's no way they're keeping him off the field. I think that's a safe yeah. bet. But against but, uh, Chris Jones, yeah, right. It's a key component. It's, it's, it's a key component there. So um, I, I'm going to be looking for and, and I, they signed Zach Ertz. Uh, the Lions did today uh, with Brock Wright out. I mean, Sam Laporte is going to be the primary threat there. Um, this is going to be a this is going to be a good game. Uh, that it's in San Francisco gives me a slight lean uh, to the 49ers. Uh, we'll see how the weather looks. I don't think that's really the factor. It's just Jared Goff on the road, who, by the way, had his best game of the year on the road in Tampa Bay this year, or at least through for his uh, high yardage of the year. So it's not like he's totally uh, bereft on the road. I'm going with the 49ers here. Yeah, my I, I got three of my four teams here, and I would say that the Lions and 49ers were two of them. Um, my heart says the Lions, but I picked the 49ers, so I'm going to stick with that just because they're – I think there are still a little bit more of a complete team, but it's going to be, I think mm. it's capable of being a really close game. Yep. And obviously the Lions points. are very capable of, of upsetting points. them. Yeah. Points people. <laughs> if they, if they look, if they can't figure out how to cover somebody and they're not going to figure that out uh, in, in the time before this game, they're going to have problems. We'll see if Debo's yeah. available though. That could if, be a key factor too. I would argue if it's a points fest, the Lions win. I think that's probably if it's if it's not a points fest, then I think the the 49ers have that advantage. But we'll see, we'll see because David Montgomery's a tough runner. Yes. They could he could be the type of guy that could kind of bleed the clock for them too, um, with him and Gibbs a, as a combo. All right, so Ravens Chiefs, mm. who you have? Oh. I'm going with the Ravens. They're my pick going into the playoffs. I'm going to stick with that. The Chiefs can play with anybody any given week. We've seen that. I think, generally speaking, the Ravens are playing better football on the whole and have been playing better football. The Chiefs played better football this week uh, than the Bills. I don't know that they were better than the Ravens, but but I'm going to go with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in that defense. Yeah, my pick for the Super Bowl were Ravens 49ers. I'm definitely going Ravens here. Um, and I think the difference is the defense and what they're going to be able to do. The Chiefs don't have wide receivers anymore. Like, it, you know, they've got – and I know that sounds like a weird statement to say. Rasheed Rice certainly has played well. Take Put yeah. him aside. He and Kelsey both have played well, and they're good enough to be able to get them where they need to be. Um, but they really could – the fact that – the fact that really the wide receivers were so minimized in in last <laughs> week's game, I mean, certainly – MVS Where's that Mark Budzbal's been? Yeah, Where's he, that guy been? He had his moments, but then it's like Sky Moore, right. Darius Tony. There's a number of players, uh, Christian Watson, just 
you're just fuck like, they, are they going to be back next year? I doubt it. I feel like I haven't said fuck enough on this podcast today, so I'm feeling like I need like some catch-up fucks to go yeah. on. Well, hey, I understand. I understand. Well, I'll say, I'll tell right. you, okay, I'll tell you a fuck situation. So, so I, as I was telling Bob, I was telling Bob, I got blindsided by 165 pounds of dog yesterday and sprained my ankle um, as <clears> they <throat> hit me from behind going about 15, 20 miles an hour. And I'm laughing now because my dog's name is Hugo and I'm looking at the crutches in the corner here and literally the brand's name in green is Hugo. There you so there we go. Some things are only right. And by the way, if you're listening to the audio only portion of version of this uh, podcast, uh, you'll be happy to know Matt Waldman is sitting back in a chair with his feet up uh, like men were designed to do while watching games. Instead, he's podcasting. And, and also uh, they do this probably while they're watching film, extensive film of this year's incoming rookie class as they prepare for the room. Some work on some of these guys. Uh, LSU's Jaden Daniels. Feel them or fuck them? Feeling them. I think that, you know, someone that we could look at as at least second contract starter, Daniels will probably get that opportunity in his first deal. A lot of people talk about him as a Lamar Jackson type of player. I don't think he's as good in the pocket as Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's quite as explosive as Lamar Jackson. But in the neighborhood, certainly you have to put Lamar Jackson as a comparison that he's aspiring to on some levels. And I like what I see from his game overall. There's, um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be an instant impact um, player at a high level just yet. I've still got a little bit more to to watch but i definitely think he qualifies as a player who should get an opportunity to start down the line and will probably and at least as a second contract starter should have a real opportunity and i think it's probably going to be more than i think a higher bar than second contract starter all right let's use that as a baseline for these other guys as well second contract starter jj mccarthy from michigan is he in that range he is um he's you know, it's interesting because when I'm charting his throws, I've watched about six or seven of his games thus far, and there's there's a lot of throws that he hasn't made in the Michigan offense or not a high volume of them. So you don't see a lot of vertical and deep range throws on certain types of um, passes that, that quarterbacks make. So you wonder if he has that in him. But then when you watch the arm... He has a real whip-like motion to his arm. He can he throws well on the move. There's, I think he shows him. He's one of those players that maybe the charting isn't going to give you the volume of data that you would like to see um, to feel exactly comfortable with him. But from what I see on the field, he's an unbelievably coordinated athlete who's a not an electric runner but a competent runner who moves very well in the pocket. And to me, he is definitely a um, player who's going to get an opportunity to be a second contract starter. What I haven't seen yet is I see some special throws that where he's um, he reads leverage really well, where he's he's been able to fit the ball into tight areas. He's a little too aggressive sometimes with guys who do that, so you understand that. But there are some plays downfield where he doesn't play to that level. And it's like, it's the difference between Baker and Alex Smith and someone like Patrick Mahomes. If he can, if he can be a little bit more confident and decisive, we're looking at 
we're looking at a high-level future elite quarterback. If he can't, I think we're looking at a first-round pick who who will have his time as a starter for a couple of teams, maybe never get re-signed to a second deal. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's the next Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying that Mahomes is the the pinnacle of that quarterback who they go, you know what? We're not letting you get out of town. Um, year two, year three. Oh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and extend you for the rest of your playing career life because we'll go down with the ship with you. you. You know, and I think McCarthy has a chance to be maybe considered in that realm. Um, but he still has a little bit to prove. Michael Penix, what boat is that fellow in, the Washington Husky? I wanted him to be in a much <laughs> higher boat, um, but I still have concerns about his accuracy. Um, I do have some concerns about his health, um, and I didn't think he was like a Carson Strong type of prospect, who, you know, really good passer who's playing on a bum leg, but he's never really took off the... You know, he's never really taken off the, the wrap that he has on his leg. I think he's moving okay, so I don't think he's as... I I would be mildly surprised if he gets the same Carson Strong treatment by the NFL, um, but I before I was thinking maybe I'd be shocked. Um, so, I'm, you know, I look at this and I'll say, I think he... I think he's a journeyman starter at this stage who has an opportunity to prove people wrong. <clears throat> yeah, Carson Strong undrafted, correct? So yes. The NFL all the way and still all the way out on him. Uh, Drake May at the Tar Heels. Uh, where's he at? He's he's there based on draft capital, but a lot of people really like him, and I'm gonna rewatch. I've got some things that I need to rewatch of him that I've marked down. But right now, I don't see the level of accuracy that shows up in the box score. Kind of more of that Baker Mayfield high-end accuracy in the box score, but not on the film. The, the pocket movement can be really good, but some of the decision-making and accuracy with his footwork is off. Um, I'm more... I'm leaning right now, he might be my Desmond Ritter of this class, the guy who people give a lot of love to, but maybe isn't as deserving of that. So, you know, stay tuned because I'm going to finalize some things over the next, you know, six weeks. But but he's a little lower than I expected. All right, well, let's talk about the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, which is really odd because I think there's only zero teams in the Pac-12 anymore. Um, uh, 4,500 yards passing, 45 touchdowns. Bo Nix, uh, are all those numbers meaningful at this point? I think they are. I mean, I'm 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 surprised. Bo Nix was at Al Auburn, and he was not that great at Auburn, and so. Moving on to this or to the Oregon offense, I think a lot of people were like, he's a product of the offense. You know, there's a lot of one, you know, one side of the field reads. There's a lot of just like manufactured plays. And there are a lot of those things. But also there are moments and there are plays almost every week where he has to show more than that. And he does it. Um, I think he's very good in the pocket. Um, I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. I think he reads the field well and he makes decisions well pre-snap that I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually one of the you know three to four best quarterbacks in this group and three to four meaning three to four guys who can actually be starters in the first two years of the league and grow from it. I think he could become a good starter in the NFL. 
Interesting. All right. So there we have it. The quarterbacks. Oh, we we didn't mention Caleb Williams. Is, is, is you just haven't got to him yet? No, I've gotten to him, but he's you know I, honestly Obvious. he's the. Yeah. I'll just put it this way: he is the best boom bust prospect I have seen in a number of years. Meaning that he's got a high grade, but the floor is a lot lower than people may want to give him <clears> credit for. But you're still going to take the chance. Right. Um, so so yeah. I feel like we had a similar conversation about Anthony Richardson, yet you didn't have the bust part as much on Anthony Richardson. You see him as all boom. Is that is that is that a fair assessment on yes. my part? Yes. Because right. I think I think Caleb has a little bit more I think the mentals on Anthony Richardson are a little bit more in right. check. I think so. Whereas with Caleb <laughs> Williams, the you know, as as Marshawn Lynch would say, the mentals aren't not always quite there on the field all the time with Caleb, even though his ceiling is higher than probably as high as Anthony Richardson's. Well, well, you've been putting in all the legwork. Tell us a little bit about the rookie scouting portfolio for people who somehow don't know about it. Yeah, I mean, if you're new to this and you've come to this because, you know, Bob Harris has been the draw for for what's going on here, and rightly so. He was the draw for me to get into this industry. (laughs) Um, You know, the the RSP's in its 19th year. I don't just do these YouTube and and Twitter videos just for fun. Um, You know, it's research on my way to providing you a uh, pre-draft post-draft guide um, basically two and one you get one in April 1st and one one week after the draft you get it available for twenty one ninety five, um, and it's at least 150 prospects a quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end it is one of the most purchased draft guides by NFL people who do evaluations of prospects according to folks like Alex Brown who's the rec- director of recruiting at SMU and meets with these types on a weekly basis and sees what they're sporting when it comes and they talk a shop and you know who they're looking at for cross-checking purposes and so the rsp gets that kind of cred and you know you can ask around in the dynasty circles you know you know this is this is an established product that people that people value highly and you know i give you the opportunity to uh learn a lot about these players Mm -hmm. through the pre-draft so that it's good for waiver wire good for trades good for Mm -hmm. three four five years from now when people go where the hell did this guy come from you know Mm -hmm. and then at the same time i give you the post-draft version which gives you my updated rankings based on fit and you know i can look at guys Mm -hmm. and say you know puka nakua maybe not you know i like what i see but maybe not rated really highly pre-draft but now that he's fit where he is post-draft He's one of the higher, you know, he's one of the biggest values that you can find, you know, in your in your post draft um, look at rookies. So yeah, nineteen ninety five or excuse me, twenty one ninety five. Mountwaldman.com. You can go there directly if you want to learn more about my work. Mountwaldmanrsp.com is where you can see a lot of the work there. Yep, it's great stuff. I'll tell you for someone who spends all of his regular NFL season involved in NFL football, I have no idea what college football is. I don't know anybody's name. I don't know what they've done on the field. I hear vague snips about names and people, and and the rookie scouting portfolio has, for 19 years, been the way I've caught up in the, the early portion of the offseason as I try to get up speed on these players that I haven't seen much of, and it's there's no better way to do it. And, and I do use, I go back multiple years when I'm writing about players. Uh, to this day, I'll go back and see what the what the assessment was in the rookie scouting portfolio. So go out and get that. And if you don't, uh, I feel bad for you. Ha, suck it. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs>